Well, hello there, and welcome again to Gene and Roger Talk Movies. Yeah, I'm, good morning. I'm Roger. That was Gene. Yeah. And uh, uh, no, 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 Jamie today. No, Jamie. Once again today. We yeah, just, Event Horizon has some <laughs> questionable scenes. <laughs> yes. Well, and yes, and so that no Jamie. Uh, that is, we are doing Event Horizon today, directed by Paul Anderson, and uh, released. But not, but not that. Yeah, not the Paul Anderson, and it's actually interesting you bring that up, Gene, because in the credits of this film, it does say Paul Anderson, but he has since changed his his title to Paul W.S. Anderson to not be confused with the much more artistic and arty Paul Anderson. Um, yes. Uh, so Event Horizon, of course, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, who we also know from the Resident Evil franchise. Um, he just recently did Monster Hunter, um, and of course, Mortal Kombat, the original version of that. So he's nice. kind of in that sh schlocky genre, I guess is the way to do it. And so yeah. definitely don't want to confuse him with the much more arty Paul Anderson. Uh, it was released August 15th, 1997. So amazingly enough, we are coming up on, I'm not a math guy, but I think it's the 25th anniversary of this film, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And, Sorry. and uh, Gene, what are your initial thoughts on Event Horizon? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Event Horizon. Well, 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 it's one of those movies that, that has a great idea. It's a great premise. But for movie making, if it was easy, they would all be great. You know, but clearly movie making is, is a difficult endeavor. A lot of people try it and then lots of money is thrown into this task and this adventure. But as we all know, a lot of movies just they just don't get there. And this for me is definitely one of those movies. It's again is a great idea, it's a great premise, but for whatever reason it just doesn't get there. And and for me this movie violates some very basic storytelling one-on-one things and so but again who knows um I think Roger has kind of a back more completed backstory on this movie which is super interesting but it, I think it's part of it is like a, maybe a big studio is getting involved in, in, in interfering in our director's vision so yeah but I just have to say I really did not like this movie yeah. So, <laughs> and I, I, I have to admit, I kind of knew that was coming from Gene because he did mention it the other day. And so I knew this would be a film where we kind of diverge a little bit in our opinion because I do. Uh, not a little. <laughs> <laughs> I do really enjoy this film. Um, it, it's it got uh, Samuel uh, or Sam Neill, I Sam guess Neal. he goes by uh, in it. It also has Lawrence Fishburne in there. Um, so you've got a good solid cast of people in here. I do also want to do a shout-out to Sean Pertree, who is in this. And the reason I'm doing the shout-out, of course, is uh, Doctor Who fans will know that his dad, John Pertree, was the third Doctor and one of the more popular ones. So any chance I can throw nice. him out there, See? I'll do that. Good, good Doctor Who, story. right? Um, but, yeah, Gene, you do touch on uh, the basic premise of this film is very solid. Um, great. Yeah, great idea. This uh, rescue spacecraft is going out on a rescue mission. The majority of the crew does not know what the mission's about. They're, gonna, they're rescuing the Event Horizon Right, the spaceship. Event Horizon, which is this spaceship that, in a really great scene, Sam Neill explains how it actually can move in space. And it uh, has this brand new or new technology that Sam Neill has created, which allows 
kind of this folding of space and you kind of right. create a black hole and that can get you to any point you want. And then on its maiden voyage, it turns that device on to do its little time jump or whatever it is and disappears. And now seven years later, it has mysteriously reappeared. And so they're going out to see what the deal is with this ship. Right. It, it's actually a great idea It's because physics prohibits you from traveling faster than light. So Sam Neill goes into an explanation on this, which is pretty cool. So you can really geek out on that. But um, they're just, uh, it's kind of a humble mission to go to the nearest star, to our star, Alpha Centauri, four light years away. But um, they end up not going there. And so, it, but this movie starts for, it started losing me at the very, very <laughs> beginning. Because I, I think, you know, uh, again, Storytelling 101 is that you have to, you know, there's a suspension of disbelief in all movies, right? You watch a movie and you're sitting in a movie theater and you know it's a movie, but you're watching it and you, but you let all that go and you get involved in their world. But you have to be, the movie makers, you have to be set, set up your world and you have to be consistent within your world. And and this movie just, just lost me right at the very beginning because, you know, the the Event Horizon spaceship, it shows up out, out of, out, right outside of Neptune. But being in, instead of being in orbit around Neptune, it shows up, it's actually in the clouds of Neptune. And so just just a tiny little bit of knowledge about physics and orbital dynamics is like, what? There's just no way that's going to happen. Even the, the, the ship would not be able to stay in orbit without firing up its engines and getting to a higher orbit almost immediately. And so them just being in the clouds of Jupiter just kind of just loses it for me because I think the the devils of the details to say that saying is like <laughs> the details are, are huge in movies, you know, good movie makers, they pay attention to the small stuff. And that just really, it builds up, it's cumulative and you just, it makes that whole world more believable. But yeah, when the details are off and the details are not there, it just does. No, you, you start not believing in the world. You don't believe in the director's vision and you don't, you're not following the story. Yeah, so that for, for me, right there at the very beginning, I'm, I'm kind of losing it. I'm starting to have my doubts. <laughs> and I am going to just, you know, that to me is, I'm not going to say nitpicking, but in horror films, you do have to give directors and story writers a little bit of a pass sometimes with details that specific. Um, did 90% of the audience watching this movie go down that same road you just went. Uh, I certainly didn't. No, um, but... And really... Just, uh, no, I get you, because we're coming I'm geeking off, out on it. We're, yeah. yeah, geeking out <laughs> a little, but we're also coming off a movie like Alien, which was, you know, very... The director was very careful. Yeah. Again, you know, opposite of this, pay yeah. great attention to the details. You know, and Paul you Anderson know. is certainly... No one has him on a pedestal uh, with Stanley Kubrick and Ridley Scott and people like that, right? He's right. definitely... I'm going to churn this movie out. But, but see, that's why those directors are those directors, right? Right. And I, I do think the thing that I really like about Event Horizon and how I can kind of overlook that, because why are they in, why is the Event Horizon in the clouds of Jupiter? Because, wow, what a cool atmospheric shot of the Event Horizon in the clouds of Jupiter, right? And this movie really is style over substance, right? At the end of the day, that's what it is. And this film takes you on that style over substance journey immediately because did you notice 
the Paramount logo comes up, they have the Paramount music sound, and then rather than fade to black and then start the movie, what does the camera do? It moves over the Paramount logo out into space, and then you get hit by the techno music thing going on, and then you've got the black hole going there. And so it's this real stylistic kind of way they're presenting this film and like the set design and 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 things like that and so yeah this is a movie where if you're looking at okay logically that could never happen the laws of physics this could never happen but well, the style kind of is trying yeah, to you have to give movies it. a pass of course it's it's a movie that whole suspension of disbelief but again being consistent within mm-hmm. the world that they set up and another thing that i didn't like about this movie is, is i think this is horror movies for sure. <laughs> is I think in a way horror movies have to follow this concept, and that is that you have to like the characters, or you have to have empathy or some kind of connection with the protagonist on some level. But in this movie, you know, I, I couldn't. The characters were not likable. They were like unbelievable to me. They were like. There were, there were puppets. There were. It's like what I was watching this movie, and I was like, "What? Are you kidding me?" Like the pilots of the rescue vessel, it looked like they had just graduated high school, and it's like, mm-hmm. no, that's even in the the year what 20, 20, 2047. 2047, pilots are still going to be pilots. You know, they're going to look like pilots. They're going to talk like pilots. They're going to behave like pilots. And no, they just didn't graduate high school. You know, and, and like the one of the rescue crew members was swearing and acting like an NFL linebacker. And, you know, who want NFL linebackers to act like that? But, no, you're in space. And, yeah, there's, I was just struck by just the – I just didn't like those characters at all. And then even Sam Neill was like – you know, from Jurassic Park, he fits great mm-hmm. in that role you know, kind of like an older, wise, mentory kind of guy. But here he's just like, just like is lost and he doesn't know what's going on and he doesn't really seem to lead them or lead the other characters. So I just, yeah, I just couldn't relate to the characters. And in a way it's like, especially in horror, if like you're not connected to the characters, then what are you doing watching this movie? You know, because then you don't really care what happens to them. You know, because you're not you're not connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and um, I I actually again I'm I'm diverging from your opinion there. Diverging. I I I did I did not have an issue with any of the characters. Um, I did sense and I did get the feeling from the interplay between the characters that yeah they've been a crew for a lengthy period of time together, um, and maybe as you become more familiar with your teammates and you've been out in space on multiple missions and things like that, that, yeah, the less formal uh, dialogues between each other will come out. I think that's true with almost any work environment. You know, day one on the job is definitely different for you than day 1,000 on that same job and how you interact with your coworkers. And yeah, so, yeah, I, I get I you, Gene. I get yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I, think you're, Again, I think you're reaching a little bit. Oh, I, I'm not going to go down the road of reaching there. But I just, <laughs> I, I certainly, um, I understood um, Lawrence Fishburne's character and kind of his, you know, very gruff, directorial manner with his teammates. I mean, they do that 
kind of opening sequence there where they are introducing all the characters as they're running around the ship and getting ready yeah, to, it's like to do a this mission. coach on some football mm-hmm. team. It's right. like, are you kidding me? You're, you're in space. You're astronauts. Even in the future, <laughs> there's still astronauts are going to act like astronauts. But you know, again, professional. And, and you can tell that Gene is not uh. a fan of this film at all. But again, I'll go back to the fact that really this film is about style and, and set design and kind of setting this mood. And one of the things that happened to this film, um, and I'll just bring this up now, the original cut of this movie was uh, two hours and ten minutes long. Um, This movie was rushed during the editing process, right? Paramount Pictures was deeply involved with the financing and and, uh, filming of Titanic, James Cameron's Titanic. And they basically were like, okay, we're going to green light Event Horizon. It needs to be out in the theaters like August 15th. And that's the time frame you got. So they ended up with a very short window of time to film this thing, but then an even shorter time to actually edit it. Normally a film like this is going to have maybe a 10-week editing period. These guys ended up with four weeks. And they did three test screenings during that four-week editing period. And the first test screening with the full version of the film, the 130-minute version of the film, um, was done without a lot of the added sound effects. The musical soundtrack wasn't really part of it. And so audiences, the test audience, hated it. And so they rushed back, and they're chopping more footage out to get it shorter. And then they do another test screening, and oh, no, blah, blah, blah. And then the studio was like, you know, it's maybe a little too gory, so let's cut all that stuff out. And so really this movie ultimately ended up losing, you know, a half an hour worth of footage that maybe could have solved some of the some of the issues. It's never going to solve the fact that the event horizons in the cloud of Jupiter's, but it it, it, or Neptune. But it, it maybe would have solved because the movie does seem like there are scenes missing that would have helped explain some of the actions right. of the characters, especially the very first character who gets sucked into the trans warp drive or whatever they right. called that right. thing, um, which is a great scene, but you don't understand why he behaved that way. And as the movie unfolds and you learn that this evil presence on the ship is kind of preying on the individual's worst memory or greatest regret or guilt they have. But you didn't know anything about that Justin character, and so he kind of goes into that. Yeah, that's that's a big failing of this movie, because I I think, yeah, they talk about going to the movie or the ship, the event horizon, instead of going to Alpha Centauri, it goes into another dimension, which is only revealed later in the movie. You know, and it, again, it, it's just this is another knock against the movie because you build a spaceship; it's immensely expensive. You're going to a destination. Everyone knows you're going to a destination, but well, you turn it on and you go somewhere else. And it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not buying it. But anyway, it's just like this. This, yeah, the the the, the crew member. Well, first of all, I need to throw this out though. I do need to say about this movie that this movie was. The sets and mm-hmm. the art just spectacular. Like this engine room, and it's just very, super cool. You know, I do have to say that this movie, in terms of that, to the sets and 
Yeah, it's yeah, really, style, really good. Style, the style, over right, right. It's it's great style for sure, for sure. But yeah, it's also that um, that this guy disappears and he comes back and is totally different. It would have really helped if if like we as the audience had a a glimpse of what this other dimension was like, or or what's in it, or what's causing these things. Because like then we hear voices in the hallways and people disappear and it's like I don't, I don't know is that scary i don't know i've seen that I've seen that a thousand times you know to me that's like what's up with that people have hallucinations <laughs> sam neil has this big hallucination with his wife and i don't know i'm just right well, and, what's going on well and they do try to quickly explain that away in a dialogue sequence later in the film where um, Lawrence Fishburne's character is talking with Jolie Richardson's character and she is basically saying you know what this ship is kind of alive whatever it wherever it went it brought back something and now the ship itself is kind of alive and it is, it right. is preying on us and that kind of ties in with like the yeah Sam Neill hallucinating about his wife his wife Sam Neill was dedicating his whole life to this event horizon ship the construction of a design all that she was a lonely woman back home on earth or whatever and she fell into depression and ends up committing suicide and so that yes. was sam neil's character's biggest regret and so the ship the entity whatever is kind of preying on that to ultimately uh, turn him to the dark side or or what have you which is standard right we just talked about that last week with the witch how how these entities can prey on your weakest point to try right. to get you right. to acquiesce to letting them in but again gene hitting on the the style part yeah getting into that event horizon the whole ship itself i mean first of all the ship itself looks like a crucifix when you see it in long shots from outside it's got a long tube sure, running down sure. it and then the, the top part it appears to be like a crucifix but then the interiors almost look in certain scenes like dungeons there's like it looks like uh, brick walls kind of instead of what you would st normally see in a spaceship right like right. the the um, medical lab absolutely looks like a torture chamber because of the, right. the everything's dark the brook, dreary, uh, but, yeah the brick looks work and wet yeah and then they have you know the tools there's the sequence where um Kathleen Quinlan's character picks up that bone saw or whatever and and all that right. and it's like yeah is this a is this a a medical facility or is this a morgue or a, a tortured chamber right, right here see, that's pretty good the movie is good with that mm -hmm. yes. and then even when the Justin character is walking down that cylindrical hallway there's like this rotating hallway or the, and it looks like it's blades and Right. and stuff to the get you entrance to the engine room. Yeah, yeah, to get you into that engine room and then that engine room looks like what kind of gothic architecture is right. this, it's right? Cool. It's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, and so it really does set the tone for yeah, we're going to be style over substance and look at how neat our sets are and things like that. I of course am one who, yeah, I'm going to look at your cool sets and I'm going to flow with this <laughs> film and Gene obviously needed yeah, more than that. Yeah, the, the sets are cool, but I think <laughs> the sets are are they cannot be the destination they had there's part of the building blocks of the movie you know mm -hmm. it's a, the movie is exists good movies exist as, as an entity as as a completeness you know like that part is over there this part's over here and together they add and they make the structure yeah this movie has got the sets and all that but it doesn't have the characters or yeah 
Right. And it just didn't, didn't really work for me. It didn't work for me at all, actually. And the director tries to amp up the, the tension and the fear. I mean, one of the things that was really great about seeing this in the theater back in the day was on a giant screen with the huge booming uh, speakers and all of that, when they are approaching the event horizon for the first time, it's this really loud scene. This movie is really loud. It loves to be loud, um, especially at the beginning. But they're going through the clouds of, of Neptune there, um, and they're, it's all loud. The shaking and everything's super loud, and they're screaming back and forth about how close they are to breaking through to this event horizon and, and, and things like that. Um, and so they, they get in there, and then they hook the ship, their ship, to the event horizon, and they kind of have this umbilical kind of cord thing go out so they can walk in between the two ships. Of course, they select docking bay 13 to connect to right, right? <laughs> yeah um but the the director then ramps up the tension a little bit because there's been damage now there's the event horizon kind of powers back on they power it back on and the transwarp drive or whatever kind of ends up emitting this whatever it is and it ends up breaking damaging the ship they came in on and so they the all ship. the rescue ship so they all have to kind of get inside they have to just move over to the event horizon so yeah, they're all inside right. the event horizon and they try to you know do repairs on there so there's there's this nice uh attempt at tension right they're 57 days out from earth the nearest place of rescue no one can really come get them because it's going to take 57 days right. max to get out there now they've got 20 hours of oxygen before it becomes too polluted with with co2 to be right. livable they've got to start making repairs on this other ship to hopefully get out of there um, and so in the theater watching it in the theater and the immensity of that and just how wow they are so far out and they are really on their own i did think that set the tone well for yeah because ultimately this is kind of a haunted house movie except you're on a spaceship and right, and right. yeah there's I no there's no way really to to get help and they are now have to be completely dependent on each other to help and so the crew is split up two guys are working on fixing the other ship and these guys are in here uh trying to figure out what the heck's going on with the vent horizon yeah yeah so i do think a bigger screen and big speakers will again fit in more with the yeah this is just style over substance but you can make the style pretty cool <laughs> yeah and then another thing that that really got me is that um is that again yeah they have the characters behaving in extremely unlikely ways because like later in the movie is the sam Neill character and in, as telling usually when we do these podcasts i'm really kind of stickler at knowing the character names because we, you know, you have to go into the movie, and you're, you're for however the length of the movie, you're, you're in that world, and so you should know the character names. But I didn't even bother to know the character <laughs> names in this movie. I don't care. I don't care what your name is, you know. So I don't, Sam, I'll just say Sam Neill's character. But well, like, well, the, welcome to my world, Jim. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I, I just don't care. <laughs> but anyway, so the Sam Neill character towards the later part of the movie is clearly losing his mind, whatever, and then, but then there's this. There's increasing tension between him and then the, the crew members of the rescue ship. And there's one scene where there's a a character who's part of the, the, the NFL linebacker guy. He's like outside the ship, over, 
crossing over a window and Sam Neill has, has a gun or something. So what does he do? He shoots him through the window in a, what, I just like, what, why would you do that? <laughs> you, you wouldn't do that. No one would do that. You know, and it's just like, I was just so rolling my eyes when that happened. Of course, then you have the explosive decompression. Of course, since it's a space movie, all the air's going out, blah, blah, blah. And they're all, it just seems, just silly. It seems so contrived to me and just silly. Is that even if Sam Neill was losing his mind, you know, he still is on a spaceship and he knows he's on a spaceship. They're not going to fire a gun through, so the projectile goes through the hull of the ship. No, it's not going to do that. But yet, yeah, he does it. So, yeah, it's just... Well, and again, Gina... Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, try to, try to explain that. I'm going gonna, to give Dr. Weir, um, which is Sam Neill's character's name. Uh, okay. I'm going <laughs> to give him a pass on that because what had happened by that point, he had become fully possessed by whatever that entity is, right? So it wasn't Sam Neill anymore. It was whatever that entity is. And the entity doesn't really care one way or the other whether it's in oxygen atmosphere or not. It no. doesn't It doesn't matter. But and see, so, I didn't know. This is right. guy watching. Um, and I think the, the character of Sam Neill, I really, there's one line of dialogue, and I've said it to Gene many times over the yes, years yes. without him you understanding the context love this line of it. right here. But this movie goes to a point where it's all about what, what is, where did this ship go and what happened? They discover a, a videotape or a, a disc that kind of has the, the uh, original Event Horizons crew, their log, kind of like, okay, we're going to turn on the, the transwarp drive or whatever they call it. I don't know what they call it, but... And then uh, the screen goes weird, and they're trying to, like, well, let's see if we can clean up this footage and see what's going on. Well, what they discover in incredibly quick cuts, so only by watching it on DVD or Blu-ray can you actually determine what's really on that footage. But um, really terrible, terrible things happen to them, right? right. And, and um, extremely graphic and, and bloody and... Uh, terrible, right? And so you get the sense that this entity um, is obviously uh, bad intentions all the way around, wherever they went. The characters start just explaining it as it's hell, right? This ship has actually gone to hell. But anyway, uh, there's a great scene where Sam Neill is hallucinating um, again about his wife uh, committing suicide and um, he basically removes his eyes. He gouges his own yep. own eyes out. Yep. Doesn't and, have eyes anymore. And then later he explains, you know, when he makes a big grand entrance and is freaking out. Uh, towards the very end of the movie. Yeah, yeah he's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm taking you guys to the land where you don't need eyes to see. And I just absolutely love that line where I don't even need these eyes anymore to see because I'm, I'm fully possessed by this entity, which is allowing me to see without my eyes. And I just think it's little things like that that show, yeah, there could have been a really great horror movie here. But I do go back to the fact that studio tampering, not giving this film enough time to actually do a proper editing job. And then the most egregious crime of all, though, was where did all of that excised footage go? Because this movie has... 
um, increased in stature over the years of its release, right? It was a huge box office failure when it first came out. But over time, it's become looked at much more favorably. And so there was this point in time where it's like, oh, hey, Paul Anderson, why don't we do a director's cut and restore all this stuff? And, yeah, that would have been great. And, and the, maybe... The Austin would see the director's vision on this. Right. It's like, what's what was really this movie about? They go to retrieve the excised footage. It's improperly stored. It's unusable. Um, and the director has even said the possibility of a director's cut ever really coming out is zero because the footage is all unusable. And... It's like, gosh, why do you why do you do that? Because even you, Gene, had said, yeah, there, the skeleton for a great movie is here. Yeah, you can tell. Where did it go? Yeah. And is it is it is it on the cutting room floor because the studio pressure was so great? Oh, we're not going to let you really edit this movie the way it should be, and let's get it down to ninety six minutes when it really should be maybe much right. longer than that, right? And and right. you can sense it in the film where, okay, this character's done a total 180 here and there was no real buildup to explain why that is or some of the character actions are like why did that occur well right. i'm sure there's a scene before that that, that was cut out explains that that would have explained it yeah maybe a scene got cut out that kind of shows where the event horizon went that mm-hmm. would have been a great to actually no one ever that has ever been to hell right come back Nobody that I know, actually, <laughs> then. But, you know, it's like um, it would have been interesting to see that idea, mm-hmm. you know. or Yeah, or maybe we see Sam Neill's, you know, with his hallucinations, but maybe more detail on another character having hallucinations. Or, But you, I, don't, I didn't shoot this movie, but, yeah, for whatever reason, it just kind of – it just didn't work for me. Yeah, right, it's and, not happening. you know, another th- – credit to give to this film though is they did shoot this on uh, the Pinewood Studios in in England over there and that of course is the famous studio that James Bond films use because it's gigantic and one of the credits uh, for this film and one of the reasons it's style over substance is those sets are awesome and they're all real so they built those dang things in there and so when you get that camera shot from way up high in the big engine room yeah, they built it that high, right? And so um, just huge sets, and the, there's very little CGI. Of course, this was 1997, so they weren't still doing a lot of it. But, of course, as we've mentioned in other podcasts, oh, yeah, you can absolutely tell when it's CGI um, any scenes yeah. because it looks like crap. But all of the practical effects stuff looks great still. Uh, the, it is the corpse yeah. hanging in the morgue, you know, that's a practical effect right there and uh, looks great. But then, oh, here's this bottle floating in the zero gravity environment. Oh, that looks like garbage. Oh, you know. And, and right, right, because they added it in. Yeah, the CGI just looked terrible. Um, as the movie kind of goes along, um, I will say it does fall apart a little bit at the end. Um, there was some confusion, I guess, um, multiple endings shot, multiple endings discussed, and the, okay. they just kind of went for just the jump scare kind of ending, um, which I don't really know how they would have originally planned to end this, but I, the fact that you never actually get to go into the other world where the event horizon that would have been great it probably should have saved this movie it probably should have been something they did um but 
What can you do? What can you do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, movies are a complex task. You know, it's just like a, I've never made one. So, but I've definitely watched a lot. And so, <laughs> you know, I, I try to be a, a more, I don't know, if I can, as, as educated as I guess I can. But, um, yeah, I just see a lot of deficiencies in this movie. Definitely if we want to see great sets, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's wise to, to watch a wide variety of movies. And we're definitely, you know, the podcast is about horror movies, and so this is definitely on, on the horror movie, you know, the watch list for sure. You know, because like, like, who knows, it's like, you definitely go and watch it, you know, even though I don't like it, you know, I've laid out some, some, I think, compelling reasons not to see it, but I don't know, some of you, you, you could watch it and really like this movie. Right, and that's the thing, right? Again, so, so major, major failure when it came out, and then over time, it's kind of got this little cult following that really likes it. I, of course, uh, enjoyed You're it. You're one of them. <laughs> I enjoyed it when I saw it in the theater, and I uh, still do enjoy it. I absolutely see all of the deficiencies. I mean, especially coming off like last week's podcast when we talked about The Witch. Well, my God, when you want horror, The Witch is a hundred times the movie this yeah, one is. Yeah, The Witch but that's none of these. Right. Faults. But that's also the one of the reasons I love horror is, yeah, we can go down this road of a kind of a style over substance movie. And do right. you get entertainment out of it? I did. You didn't. Um, but that's kind of the deal. So right. Um, right. any final thoughts on Event Horizon? Um. Like, again, like, I, I think in a way it's like any kind of critics, you know, Rotten Tomatoes or anything. If, if you're interested in a movie, if it piques your interest, you know, go see it. Just push that, what those reviewers say, <laughs> to the side. You know, and then, you know, into the movie as, as open-minded as you can. So, but again, at this, for horror movies, this, this definitely is, is, is a movie to watch. You know, it definitely is, you know, is is on, on the, the radar, so to speak, of, you know, horror movies that are out there. You know, this is one of the, the bigger ones, I should say. So, but yeah, go watch it if, if you want. Um, I definitely have to officially say I did not like this movie. <laughs> did not work for me on really any level. So, but, um, we'll shoot ahead towards next week. We're going to watch The Mist. Yep, The Mist will be Stephen next King's week. The Mist. Yeah. So, I've already watched it, and, um, great <laughs> okay <laughs> well i'm i'm gonna have to come up with one that i hate sometimes so that oh yeah 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 because yeah i can't always be the guy that just likes everything uh but i do like event horizon and i do appreciate the fact that even though gene doesn't like it he is still reiterating hey give it a shot anyway because you might like it and that's yeah, you might like it that's kind of the deal so don't you know pay attention to us but don't pay too much attention to us if you want to <laughs> see it go. go do it and uh, we will see you next week yeah missed bye bye later <laughs>